Good evening. We will continue to discuss Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's nectarine shower of mercy upon the Vaishnav community in the form of Madhurya Kadambani. And we progress tonight to the third shower of nectar, wherein he begins by talking of the stage of Arnartha Nivriti, cessation of unwanted elements unfavorable to bhakti, uh, cessation of Anarthas, of Namaparads, of those things that impede a true appreciation of our spiritual prospect. Once we actually come to a stage of, of fully appreciating our spiritual prospect, leaving behind the stage of Anartha Navriti, then, as Guru Maharaj mentions, the road broadens. Our prospect is, becomes more and more evident as we move forward. At the stage of Anartha Nivriti, unsteady practice, it's a struggle. Devotional life is a struggle. We're hampered by uh, samskaras of past lives, Anarthas, uh, arising from four basic areas. So Vishwanath breaks it down into four areas. And he deals with it. He breaks. He presents those four areas to the reader right at the beginning of the third shower. So I'll just read his verse, and then we'll move forward from that. So this is the beginning of the third shower. The third shower deals specifically with getting through this stage of Anartha Navriti. Now Anartha Navriti, your cessation of unwanted elements unfavorable to bhakti, is being explained. Anarthas are of four types, Duskritotha, Sukritotha, Aparadotha, and Bhaktyutha. Duskritotha, Anarthas mean Anarthas, arising from the five kleshas described in the previous chapter. These are ignorance, material attachment, hatred, and deep entanglement and sense enjoyment. Sukritotha anarthas arise, means intense attachment to various sense objects. Some include in this anartha, some Vaishnavas include in this anartha. First, they include this anartha within the five types of kleshas. Some include within it the, the desire for liberation. Uh, Bhukti and Mukti both are included in this Sukrito Tha Anartha. So Duskrito Aparadotha Anartha means Aparads. I'm sorry, Anartha is arising from Nam Aparad. Here, Seva Aparads have not been considered. So, Vishwanath is basically saying 
There may be some operads committed in serving the Lord directly. And in fact, the author goes and he lists them all. And also, Bhaktivedanta Swami, in his Nectar of uh, Devotion, he lists these seva operads, wearing the wrong color in front of the deity, being carried into the temple on a palaquin, uh, wearing shoes in the temple, putting your feet out in front of the deities, I mean, just obvious things that if you're in the presence of the Lord and you really consider the the deity the Lord, then just common sense, most of these seva operads are, are, not, uh, are not something that, that are normally done. So... Vishwanath doesn't include those in the aparads, the nama aparads, except under one condition. First, I'll explain why he does not include them. They're not included because most of the most of them, if done, are done unintentionally, without knowledge. And second of all, um, simply by our engagement in japa, nam, worshiping the Lord, that in in and of itself is sufficient to counteract those seva operats. Except, and here's the exception, the exception is when we are consciously doing a seva operat. We're aware that we should we are committing this. You know, we're putting our feet out in the front of the deity or we're, we're doing one of these. And we could read them if you want to hear them if, if you're not familiar uh, with them. Uh, those of us that have read Nectar Devotion, you read those again and again in the beginning. So maybe some of you aren't familiar. We can go through them quickly because we should know what they are, how we could possibly offend the deity. And you'll see as we go through the list I mean, Prabhupada lists 64 in his Nectar of Devotion. Uh, there's only 52 listed here, and then there's some other ones I didn't count. But uh, as I said, generally, there's no real intent on the part of the sadika to offend the deity. It's just not there. Uh, you know, now some of them, some of them we kind of can easily slip into, like. Taking prashada, taking foodstuffs that aren't offered to the deities, and things like that, uh, offering the wrong kind of foodstuffs, like a pizza, <laughs> not made by Bhakti Ross, but made by uh, Papa John. <laughs> so you know, it's not made in the same way, not made properly. These seva operads not so serious for us, except when. We're well aware of the fact that we're committing this operad, and we think, well, the scripture said that seva operads aren't real serious, because just by doing nam, sankirtan, and performing my japa, and reading the scriptures, and learning verses, and whatever, uh, seva operads are counteracted. 
So I'm a, so if I'm aware I'm doing the operad, but I'm thinking I can counteract the operad because I'm just chan- I'm chanting my job every day. So I don't really need to worry about the fact that this operad is there in my seva. Then what happens? The seva operad transforms into nama, nama operad. Why? What's that operad? Committing a sinful activity on the strength of chanting. So all of a sudden, what was a a light offense that's easily counteracted just to, due to our negligence, we commit offense, and it's easily counteracted. If we do it repeatedly with an, with an intent of counteracting it just by the easy remedy, all of a sudden it becomes serious. So we have to be careful for that. Um, one thing I have to say going into this section, and I, I think it, it, it needs to be said, is... Uh, we always need to keep in the forefront of our consciousness, and especially when we hear, like if we read all, all these regulations and all these do's and don'ts, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I'll never be, I'll never, how can I possibly, you know. Uh, it's not like that. It's really not like that. Uh, we we advance by the mercy of the guru and the sadhus. They are our saving grace. And yes, as I said earlier, we follow some decorum in their association to stay within their good graces. So generally, the the regulative principles of freedom are more or less centered around conducting ourselves properly around people that deserve respect. It's not no more than that. First of all, the seva apparatus are co- co- conducting ourselves properly in front of the deity. Don't we want to do that? Why would we not want to do that? Now, when it comes to devotees, if we are still at the stage of discrimination, not based on my spiritual advancement, but just still based on materialistic discrimination of one Vaishnav and another, then that's where it becomes difficult for us to get to the stage of Nista Bhajana Kriya. The majority of what we will find, the condensed heart of the filth in the heart that keeps us from tasting the holy name is based on not showing full and proper respect to Krishna's devotees. The core is 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 sadhuninda. If we can avoid that, if we can truly respect the devotees at all times, in all circumstances, even when it seems impossible, even when material things bubble up in relationships, if we can keep a respectful attitude I'm not saying that we don't use our intelligence and pick good friends and all those things. But I am saying that we, no matter what the position of somebody who is dedicating their life to advancing spiritually, no matter what their condition, what their background, how harsh and cruel their personality may be, how much 
baggage they may carry with them into the process of devotional service. If we can continually respect the fact that of the hundreds and billions and trillions of living entities, these few, these very few living entities have taken some interest in their Lord. If we can maintain a respect for them that they are deserved, deserving of, which they all are deserving of, the greatest respect, we can quickly go through the stage of an earth of liberty. Quickly. We can fly through it and become steady. If we can't do that, we can be hung up for lifetimes. That's how serious it is to not maintain a proper attitude towards Krishna's devotees. He is so much in love with his devotees. He will lop off an arm for a devotee. If a devotee commits offense, he considers he committed the offense. This is our Lord. This is Krishna. This is really the we to enter into the compassionate nature and the loving nature of Lord Krishna. It is is not not difficult when you understand how much he appreciates his devotees, no matter what their position is, no matter what their qualification is. Because that's his nature. And all of us who are trapped within his material, his external energy, as I said, we're all we're all in this together. We're all coming from the same background. There's not that much difference between one and another. Maybe a few lifetimes of devotional practice, and we can really see that. You come in contact with the spiritual master, you come in contact with these great devotees who, who basically are past all the hang-ups that other devotees have. And it's, it's, it's a real eye-opener to see, wow, there are saints in the world. There are people that really live at the higher standard that... that have such a purity of heart. So, saved operads are not considered. For intelligent people, usually the effects of Sefa operad are nullified by chanting the holy name, reciting prayers, and by constant engagement in the service of the Lord. Seva operads are thus unable to appear. If one is, however, careless about seva aparads, knowing that by chanting and reciting prayers seva aparads can be nullified, then all the seva aparads turn into nama aparad. Shastra thus says committing sin on the strength of nama is one of the nama aparads. In this verse, nama also refers to other devotional practices. Even Dharma Shastras related to the codes of karma yoga, also say, and this is interesting, also the karma, the karma codes of the Shastras. We study the Bhakti Shastras. We study those things that foster in our heart Bhakti for Krishna. 
and his devotees. And the, but there are those that want elevation to higher planets or want to avoid sinful reaction. So they follow the karma khanda sections of the Vedas. And they perform sacrifices and atonements and all these different things to keep their life in order, to keep every, all their T's crossed and their I's dotted so that there's no suffering that's possibly, t- if you can avoid it, they avoid it. So, the Karmakanda section also says the same thing. This is interesting. Committed, committing sin on the strength of Nama is one of the Nama Aparads. In this verse, Nama also refers to other devotional practices. Even Dharma Shastras, related to the codes of Karma Yoga, also say that if one commits sins on the strength of atonement, thinking that it can destroy the evil effects of sins, then those sins become more intense rather than destroyed. There's no cheating the system. There's no cheating the system. It's simple. What's your intent? If you are committing... If you have a desire to enjoy materially, okay, enjoy materially. But don't develop a cheater's mentality. I am so attached, I am. I will probably suffer in hell due to my attachment for for eating meat or for engaging in illicit sex or for anything. If I do it, I'm going to suffer like a dog. But I'm such a dog, I'm going to do it anyway just because that's just my nature and I can't give it up yet. That's okay. I take, I'll take whatever the consequence if I can develop that mentality, that's that's acceptable. And you'll suffer like a dog. That you are. <coughs> that's the law of karma. There's no getting around it. But if you think, I can get around it. If you recognize who you are, what you are, and what's going on in your nature and you're attached, and you realize my attachment is going to lead to suffering, that's one thing. But, (coughs) if you, if you think, I can commit a sinful activity, and bribe the judge, no, you'll be sent to jail for a longer term. That's true in human society, for the most part. Sometimes, of course, the legal system has to catch up with both the judge and the criminal, because sometimes the judge is also corrupt. But you understand the point. (laughs) When you're apprehended... You're penalized for not only the crime, but also the crime of trying to bribe the judge. (coughs) Let's see if we can go on tonight.
you have to excuse me. I may be able to solve this problem tomorrow, but we will see. The problem is uh, the new medication they've given me is, uh, has a side effect that a small percentage of people experience. And I guess that's me. <laughs> side effect being this coughing thing. All right. So, even karma. You can't buck the system. You can't cheat. So, we don't want to engage in in, in nam aparad. <clears throat> we don't want to engage in seva aparad. So, is everyone here more or less familiar with the seva aparads? That long list of do's and don'ts? Has everyone read those a few times? <clears throat> okay, let me put it to you this way. Should I read... The Seva Aparads? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll go through the Seva Aparads. Then we'll go back and cover some other things. Maybe we'll read one half of the list this evening and the next half next evening. The Padma Purana mentions 32 kinds of seva aparads. Entering the temple on a vehicle. <laughs> Entering the temple with shoes. Non-observance of the Lord's festivals. Not offering obeisances on seeing the deities. Praying to the Lord without washing the mouth after taking prashadam. Praying to the Lord in an unclean state. Paying obeisances with one hand. Circumambulating with one's back towards the deity. Except when the curtain's closed. Spreading the legs before the deity. Keeping one's arm folded in front of the deity. I will add to that. Not that I can add to the Padma Purana. I will add a story to this, and you can take it for what you think it's worth in your service. I was told that by this by Ekinoth, uh generally in uh, in Bombay, where Ekinoth served, Prabhupada was there. Prabhupada generally did not attend Mangalarti. But one morning, for some reason, Prabhupada came down from his room, where he generally just engaged in translating at that time. He entered into he came to Mangalarti, and he just walked right to one devotee who was standing with their hands clasped behind the deities, and he slapped their hands behind, the no, behind their back, behind their back, behind their back, yeah, and slapped their hands, slapped their hands, didn't say anything. Just, he knew that it was going on. He came from his room and he stopped it. As he was leaving the temple, he saw another devotee in a similar stance, like this, holding an arm. And he also chastised them. 
He was upset about that. So where it says, you know, keeping one's arms folded in front of the deity, like this, you know, uh, I think that also you might want to consider that just don't <clears throat> fold your arms, period. <laughs> Although it's not ready, written. Lying down in front of the deity, eating in front of the deity, speaking lies in front of the deity, speaking loudly in front of the deity, chatting in front of the deity, crying in front of the deity, chastising or favoring others in front of the deity, speaking harsh words before the deity, covering the body with a blanket in front of the deity, blaspheming others in front of the deity, praising others in front of the deity, filthy talks in front of the deity, passing air while doing puj, serving the Lord simply, though capable of doing opulent puj, eating things not offered to the Lord, not offering seasonal fruits and vegetables, offering the remnants of food or food given before to anyone else, sitting with one's back towards the deity, greeting others in front of the deity, keeping silence, <clears throat> though the guru is asking some question, praising oneself in front of the deity, blaspheming the demigods. We'll go on. The Varaha Purana also describes several Seva Aparats. So we've heard from the Padma Purana, now we'll go to the Varaha Purana. Eating the food of wealthy persons, touching the deity in a dark room, approaching the deities against the rules, opening the door of the temple without ringing the bell, collecting food for the deities contaminated by dogs and other animals, breaking silence while doing puj, going for passing urine or stool during puj, offering incense without offering scents, garlands, etc., doing worship with forbidden flowers, worshiping the deity without cleaning the teeth, after sexual intercourse, after touching a menstruating woman, a dead body, or a lamp, wearing cloths left by others or wearing torn cloths, wearing blue, red, or unclean cloths, after seeing a dead body, repeated, while passing air, in an angry mood, after coming from a cremation, from a cremation ground, without digesting one's meal, doing deity worship after eating the fruits of kusumba, safflower, cooked leaves, saka, or asvatida, doing deity worship after eating fruits of kusumba, safflower, cooked leaves, saka, or asvatita. Worshipping the deity after smearing one's body with oil. 
besides all the above seva aparads, <laughs> there are some other seva aparads to disregard divine scriptures and preach scriptures unrelated to the Lord, chewing betel in front of the deity, worshiping the deity with flowers kept on leaves of a castor oil plant, worshiping the deity during forbidden time, doing worship while sitting on a wooden seat or sitting on the floor without asana, touching the deity with the left hand while bathing him, doing puja with dried flowers or flowers begged from others, spitting while doing puja, proclaiming one's own pride doing puja, putting tilak obliquely. I had to look up the word obliquely. That means crooked. Uh, offering food cooked by non-Vaishnavs, doing worship in front of non-Vaishnavs, entering the temple without washing the feet, doing puja without worshiping Ganesh, the Lord who removes all obstacles, doing worship while the body is sweating, doing worship after seeing a kapilika. Anybody? Huh? I'm sorry, K-A, two long A's, Kapalika. Somebody can look that up by the next class and tell us what it is. Oh, maybe this is the definition. Sivate, uh, Shivate, aesthetic, who carries a human skull and uses it as a receptacle for his food. <laughs> So if you see one of those guys, you can't worship the deity. I think we're good, yeah. (laughs) Um, Bathing the deity with water touched by fingernails. Stepping over the Nirmalya. Offered Tulsi, flowers, garlands, and other paraphernalia. And making vows in the name of the Lord. The wise devotees are careful to avoid all the above seva aparads and are not slack about them. If somehow they unknowingly or accidentally commit seva aparads, those aparads are nullified by chanting, reciting prayers, and serving the Lord constantly. I've never been one to engage much in in deity worship in this life, but... uh, for those that uh, are engaged. And of course, a lot of these apply just to our coming into the temple room and, uh, and uh, for kirtan and uh, during worship, the offering of arti to the deity. There was one that sounded like you said offering prayers before the deity? No washing Under certain, yeah. no washing Under certain conditions. It was like two different times not to offer prayer. What about forbidden flowers? With forbidden flowers? Um, there's a. Uh, if you. If <laughs> flowers that are used primarily to worship. Um, yeah, there's some flowers that are supposed to worship certain. Yeah, was in Madhavan. That's like almost all they have there is hibiscus, 
and I was worshiping. Sean Sundar said, you can't, you're not supposed to use that to worship the deity. And so Grimaraj was like, why don't you offer these today? And I said, Sean said, I can't wash them. He said, why? I said, because they're flowers they usually offer a door gun. He said, oh. <laughs> That's my experience with it. Okay. So what did he say? That you you could you could? I don't remember. I just remember that part where he just, just obviously like we're just like oh. <laughs> so yeah, they're very you know. Uh, if you're ever in question, I have a god brother about any of the details. Uh, his name's Gorakeshava. <laughs> Uh, he knows everything in detail. Uh, if you want to go institutionally, there is a whole ministry of deity worship that probably has a whole book. They publish the do's and don'ts and how's and how nots. And This is just the, the general. Then you get into exactly the specifics of how to worship the deity and what's in your mind at the time of worship and yeah. All the mantras and entering the room and exiting the room and I don't even know where to begin. You know, the, there's different things you do with your hands, you know, mudras. And, you know, it's quite complex. It's deity worship. I think the base thing, basic thing when I first read these and what I still get out of it when I read these is uh, kind of keep your mind on 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 the fact that. We worship Krishna until we've come to the stage of spontaneity. We worship the deity in the mood of Lakshmi Narayan. We worship the deity until we've fallen in love and, you know, really just, you know, are at a, at a high platform. Uh, we worship the deity as as God. And... God needs to be worshipped to a higher standard than any king's court you would ever be in. And in a king's court, if you did half these things, they'd just cut off your head or your hand or, you know, beat you to death right there. Can you imagine passing gas in front of a king? <laughs> you know, can you imagine having a conversation? A guy, can you imagine, you know, cursing in front of a king? Can you imagine what it would be like to be in a king's court? And, and do any of these things like this. You know, it, it would be disastrous or in a military, for you. Huh? Or in the military, talking to, like, one of the big superior officers. Oh, yeah. And you're like, do, yeah, you're doing the same kind of thing. They're just, like, screaming, like, you know. Like. <laughs> All right. So, any questions you can see older devotees that worship the deities? Dr. Ross, you know all these, right? Anyway, so at Seva, Seva Aparaz, uh, not to be very concerned, but don't don't make a mess of it by intentionally uh, uh, doing things that uh, that are not fully respectful. They're just they, all these things are just a matter of respect for for Krishna, and we we. We worship Krishna at the in the Kanista stage, and actually, even in the more advanced stages, the devotees, as a matter of example for uh, humanity at large, always worship Krishna in a very, very reverential mood. Um, 
you know, now if you're madly in love with Krishna and worshipping him in a tree, nobody's around and he wants, you know, salted and buttered chapatis and you just don't have the money for it, you can have a conversation with him. <laughs> Otherwise, you give him salted and buttered chapatis. You know the story, right? Okay, moving right along. Nartam has a song, and he, he, he there's one line in this song. Uh, his, his, this line says, The greatest fear is that the Anarthas are not going away. So let's go through the Anarthas and make sure we can make them go away. Duskritotha Anartha. It arises from sins committed in a previous life. It manifests itself as primarily ignorance. Uh, basically, the kleshas we covered earlier. Does everybody remember the kleshas? When we come to the devotional service, the first things that happen were kleshagna and subhada, that these, these reactions... And in the end, when we talk of you know kleshagna, we're referring not to the, not only to the kleshas, uh, the sources of ignorance, and those things that derive from those sources of ignorance, but we're also taught we also are talking about sinful reactions, in all those different forms, uh, parabda, aparabda, kuta, and bija. So. Um, Duskritotha anarthas are those, are those anarthas, those bad habits, those misconceptions, that ignorance which is created by our past situation within material existence, primarily in prior lives. Avidya, smita, raga, dvesa, and abhinivesha. So, any questions about that? We can go back. To that area, but uh, we covered those pretty thoroughly. Primary, primary, primary one there to remember is avidya. All of the others come from ignorance. So, vidya means knowledge. When we're not in full knowledge of a situation, that's avidya. All the different clashes are the misconceptions beginning with. Of course, the first one is asmita. I am this body, false ego, and all the stuff that comes with false ego. Uh, raga, just a lust. And uh, dvesa and abhinevesha, uh, uh, that, that fearfulness of, uh, of, uh, of death fear of not realizing your spiritual position and just being you know just being so afraid of of, of uh, what life has in store for us after in the afterlife I mean people they just live in complete and utter terror of death we don't know what it's like after a few years around devotees 
the whole ment the whole mentality regarding death just it just it just recedes to the background. It's just another day of life, you know. Not maybe that easy, but still, it's not it's not such a big thing. We recognize the fact that, you know. Never was a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all, nor in the future. We're not just just having a true sense of that. And when you start chanting, that's one of the first realizations that comes: is you start to recognize your true spiritual nature. To simply tell someone that is one thing, but the devotees, even at the very beginning of their practice, they start to experience that. That, so that that verse becomes meaningful to them. That's the key. As we advance in devotional service, all the theory that we learn starts to be, it's more than just theory. We know it as fact. We accept it as truth. We don't just accept it. We, it's, it's, What is the verse? The verse from uh, Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Rajavidya uh, Rajaguyam. This knowledge is the king of education, the most secret of all secrets. It's the purest knowledge. And because it gives direct perception of the self by realization, it's the perfection of religion. So the perception of the reality of the various theistic points that one learns about the nature of the self and and uh, and the material energy and the supreme, the very nature that becomes apparent. The more we practice, we enter deeper and deeper into an appreciation of what actually is the truth of our of our position. So, duskrito anartha. Sins arising from our previous lives. Basically, again, the kleshas are there. Sukritotha anartha. Okay. This is the anartha created by the desire to enjoy. So one is the anartha created, the reactions created from our past activities and material existence that lead to ignorance. That's the prime that's the primary reaction for our sinful activities is we remain in ignorance and we're we're bound by that ignorance to further wrap ourselves up in ignorance so it's like it's like a cocoon the more you're in ignorance by your sinful activities the the more dumb we become, basically, and we get wrapped up even more. It was it's like trying to escape from a spider's web. The more the the more the insect struggles, the more he gets hung up until there is no hope because every single part of his body's enwrapped in the web. So on one side there's that and on the other is we still have a lust to enjoy so this creates the other side of that in anarthas sukritotha anartha 
we want to enjoy in this life. We want to carry on with our enjoyment in the next life. And if we can carry on in a better atmosphere, we'll go for it. That's more prevalent in Eastern society than in our society. Our background was is not steeped in uh, a conception of the heavenly planets. Uh, even even when we we talk about heaven in in uh, you know in the Western world, we basically think that's the spiritual world. At least that's the way I was brought up. Not that heaven was separate from from the spiritual realm, but in in the Eastern you know society and that in that culture uh they recognize that there are there are very nice atmospheres heavenly planets and if i perform these karmic activities these sacrifices i can go there and i can live for hundreds of years instead of a hundred years and i can have hundreds of beautiful damsels or beautiful gentlemen and I can have unlimited wealth, unlimited power, unlimited strength. I can basically be a god in this world. So that's the other side of anarthas, is that desire to enjoy. Included in that is the desire for liberation. Let me just end all suffering completely that would require that I become liberated from the entire material conception of life. I recognize my spiritual nature and I merge into that energy of supreme spirituality which is Brahman. And then I'll be happy. I'll be all alone. I won't have anything to enjoy. There'll be nothing there for my senses to experience, but I won't suffer. I might as well be a tree. That's the way Vaishnavs look. Well, you might as well be a tree. What's the difference? You're senseless. Objectionless. You have no objective. You have no senses. You have no experience. What's good about that? I mean, really. What's good? Wouldn't it be better to be a karmi? At least you'd have some experience. Some of it may be bad, but some of it may be good. Anyway, everybody has an opinion. So those that have the opinion to just turn it off, shut the engine off and don't go anywhere and don't do anything and don't experience anything, there it is. Yes, they, you know. Nirvisesh. Or Sunyavad. They're so close. What is the real difference? What is the real difference? Entering into that supreme spirituality of it all or or turning it all off, recognizing that there actually is no all at all. It's just all nothing. So it's either the all, it's all the same something or it's all nothing. <laughs> the sameness of it all or the nothingness of it all. What it is, it's, it's all experienceless. There's no experience in that realm. All right. Duskritotha. Sukritotha. Aparadotha. Anartha. These are the Anarthas arising 
out of a fence. We will go over in detail in next class the ten offenses to the holy name. You've all touched upon those when you took your beads. You touched the beads and you were told these things you need to avoid. And uh, we'll go through them one by one, deal with any questions that you may have regarding them. But that uh, that is the next level of Anartha, is, is this. Aparadotha Anartha. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this class, those Anarthas are are very harmful to us, offending the holy name. Um, sins, these first two, just engaging in the process and, and chanting can eliminate more of the first two than you could commit. All the desires you may have for enjoyment and all the, all the residue suffering you have from prior activities one utterance of the pure holy name is enough to blow those all away. But operads, that's another thing altogether. So naturally, naturally, that's one of the first characteristics, kleshagna, is the fact that all the sinful suffering dissipates. So my time is up for this evening. Are there any questions? Thank you so very much. Hare Krishna.